Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. We are in week three of our series, which is a study on the book of 1 Peter entitled Exiled Hope in a Hostile World. We have two messages for you this week as we are joined by both the Reverend Dr. John Guest and the Reverend Doug Rary to give their perspective on 1 Peter 2 1 through 10. Here is the Reverend Doug Rary, our high school pastor, with his message. Thank you for listening. Good morning, gang. Would you pray with me, please, before we get started? Father God, I just thank you so much again for this church, Lord, and for all that you are doing. Um, God, I thank you uh, that I just get to be a small part of it. And Lord, I thank you uh, for the opportunity to be here uh, with my family, the church here this morning. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just come into this place, that you would open our hearts and our minds to your word. God, I pray that it's your words that are spoken here today and not mine. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, my daughter, Ella, is a self proclaimed couch potato. And, uh, and we are not necessarily proud of that, and nor do we claim any sort of good parenting techniques uh, that led to that. But around Christmas time, uh, my, my, both my kids got these, uh, they're pretty cool, these, these little stuffed animals. And you squeeze into them, and, and they can say a message. And while I'm at work, that message will come to my phone. And so they could send me like a, a voice message. And then I could actually use my phone and speak back to them, and it will send them a message right back to that stuffed animal. And so it's been a neat little way for us to be able to communicate when I'm at work or you know, when they're at home, at home school, or, or what have you. Um, until I received this, this one message from Ella that she, you know, it was an emergency. So, uh, well, anyway, I, I have it to play for you. Listen to this. Daddy, Daddy, this is an emergency. The TV's not cool. It's it's the TV's not working. It just loads really a long time. I, it's a TV emergency. My TV life is over. Please, please, please. I might need to take one of Pastor Jamie's parenting classes, but uh, anyway, it's a, it was a TV emergency that day. We stream our TV off the internet to control the content. They have this Disney app where they watch shows, but it was a TV emergency. The TV wasn't working. Uh, my TV life is over. Daddy, will you please come home? You know, babies are cute, right? And kids are cute. Kids can say the darndest things. But a child, I think we would all agree, a child that does not grow up, now that's not cute. That's tragic. You know, it is possible to grow older, but not actually grow up. And I think you may know a few people that I might be talking about. You know, my wife and I, we, we serve our community on various boards where we live. And, uh, and there's one particular person, one particular someone that we need to interact with on a, on a regular basis. And this person may have grown older, but they never grew up. It seems that their life goal is to cause drama. And every conversation is full of gossip and negativity, why we can't do this and why we can't do that, with no offering of any sort of solution or help. And i got to tell you that there are times where I think that I might want to invite this 40-year-old person to high school youth group so that my teens can show them a little bit about maturity. You know what I'm saying? And I, I'm sure that you probably know someone like that in your life. Maybe it's someone that you work with, or maybe it's someone that you volunteer with, or maybe it's someone in your family. 
And if you're sitting there shaking your head saying, no, I don't know somebody like that, perhaps it might be you. But we have these people in life that sometimes, you know, they may grow older, but they never truly grow up. Unfortunately, as well, we also have Christians who never grow spiritually. We find Christians who never grow spiritually. I got to tell you something that's very true today. Spiritual growth is part of God's will for your life. Spiritual growth is part of God's will for your life. In Ephesians 4, we find this. We are not meant to remain as children, but we are meant to hold firmly to the truth in love and to grow up in every way into Christ. And we are in this series called Exiled. And in this series, we're looking at the book of 1 Peter. Now, in chapter 2, Peter urges the exiled Christians to grow up spiritually. And he points to Jesus, just as Paul did in Ephesians, the verse we just read, as the example of who we are growing spiritually to be like. Now, later in this chapter, Peter refers to Jesus as the cornerstone. Now, in ancient culture, when you would build a building out of stone, the cornerstone was extraordinarily important. It wasn't like today where we have basements or certain types of foundations. The cornerstone actually acted like the foundation of the stone building. But even more importantly, um, you know, in ancient culture, they didn't have laser levels or the type of measuring techniques that we have today. So the angles of the cornerstone actually set the appropriate angles for the rest of that stone building. And so the cornerstone was extraordinarily important in an ancient stone building. It was, an ancient stone building was literally modeled stone by stone after the cornerstone. And in chapter 2, Peter urges us, he actually gives us three challenges to grow, to be a little bit more like Christ. To, to follow in those footsteps of the cornerstone. The first one is this. He says, we grow when we feed on God's word. We grow when we feed on God's word. I don't know if you might remember this. It was a pretty darn famous advertising campaign that went on for a couple of decades. It was called Got Milk. You remember that? And there was uh, uh, lots of celebrities and ads and, and people with these milk mustaches, and they would say, got milk? Uh, it, it started way back in 1993, and it kept going for 20 years. Up here, I have a picture of uh, one of my favorites. It's Superman uh, uh, from one of, the super, one of the many Superman remakes, and he's got the, the milk mustache. Now, if you know me, you know that I love movies and I love comic books. And so I remember seeing a lot of these Got Milk ads growing up, but i got to tell you, they seem to really work. These ads seem to really work because through much of my teens, I wanted to drink milk. And that's saying something because I am extraordinarily allergic to dairy. (laughs) So, you know, my whole life it's been kind of tragic. I'm not allowed to eat, well, I can't, I'm allowed, but I can't eat ice cream. Um, I can't, uh, oh, I get made fun of whenever I eat my cereal because I eat it dry with no milk in it, you know. And and the little bit of tolerance that my, my body has for dairy, I save for one of uh, what I think is God's uh, greatest blessings, which is cheese. You know, and I love cheese on my 
tacos and I love a nice cheeseburger or I love cheese nachos. That's my favorite snack in the evening. But, you know, way back um, before, uh, before this ad campaign got milk, uh, Peter said it first. Peter said it this way in verse 2. He said, like newborn babies crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now this spiritual milk that Peter is referring to is God's word, the Bible. And we know that from a key word that we find the very first word of the very first verse of 1 Peter chapter 2. And that word is therefore. Okay, now anytime you see the word therefore in the Bible, you ought to find out what it's there for. Okay, and the first word of chapter 2 is therefore. And need you to know that when Peter and the other writers of the Bible wrote these words down, they didn't put in little chapters and verse marks, okay? Those were translators who did that for us so that we could better study the Bible. And when they put chapter 1 and chapter 2, if you take the time to just study chapter 2, you're going to miss a lot of what Peter says. You're going to miss the context of chapter 1. So let me show you this. What is spiritual milk? It's God's Word. We find Peter referring to that in chapter 1. Beginning in verse 23. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. The word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Then therefore, in chapter 2, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of any kind. Like newborn babies, crave spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now Peter, he makes a couple of illustrations here. First of all, he gives us a list of of the world's junk food. And I think you know, just like I do, that we cannot grow on eating junk food. Okay, I have tried... I actually just grow out and not up, okay? He gives a list of some worldly junk food, things like deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander, okay? And he says, get rid of all that. He says, but instead, what we need to do is we need to crave God's Word like babies crave milk. Now, any of you parents in the room... uh, whether you have newborn children or whether they're getting a little older now, I'm sure that you recall the painful, shrill cry of a baby who is craving milk. Wah! I wake some of you up back there. Wah! Now, I had twins, so it was wah! 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 Right? But... That is the illustration that Peter is giving us. The point is, that he's trying to make is that we should be craving God's word. Like our hearts should be crying out for it. We should have this painful shrill in our hearts craving God's word. Now picture this. It's Sunday 
And let's say that you go out to one of those really fancy restaurants that serves uh, one of those really delicious Sunday brunches. You know what I mean? And you just you just fill up your plate and with Sunday brunch, and it's good and it's delicious. Whole family's there, and you're eating and you're having a great time. Now imagine that that is the only meal that you eat for the rest of the week. Now that's going to cause some very serious health complications. It's going to harm your health. You would develop some serious health problems if that was the only meal that you ate throughout the week. It harms your spiritual health if the only spiritual food you get is on Sunday morning, right? It's not enough. You could actually develop some serious spiritual health problems if that is all you do. In verse 3, Peter says, we crave it because we have tasted the Lord's goodness, there's a, 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 a really fantastic congregation member who um, gave my wife and I a gift card to this amazing restaurant up north called Clifford's. It's fantastic. And so they gave us this gift card. We were so thankful. And, uh, and we used it to celebrate her birthday. So we went up to Clifford's. And we had my favorite meal of all time. It's a little older. Beef Wellington. And oh... This was, I'm telling you, this was the most amazing meal I have ever had in my life, okay? And you can see I really enjoy eating, so that's saying a lot. And I'm telling you the truth that I have had dreams about this beef wellington, okay? <laughs> my wife and I save up. Every time we think of it, there's a special occasion. Gotta save up some money so we can go up to Clifford's and let's get that beef wellington. I walk around and I tell people, hey, you gotta get up to this place called Clifford's. You gotta have this beef wellington. It's fantastic, right? I'm telling all of you, go visit Clifford's. Tell them I sent you and get order the beef wellington. You're going to love it, right? I tasted it. And because I tasted it, I can't wait to get more. And that is what Peter is saying to us. We crave it because we've tasted the Lord's goodness. If you've tasted the Lord's goodness, then you crave it. you got to have it. You can't get enough of it. So my question to you this morning is, do you crave God's Word? Are you studying God's Word? Are you in the Bible each day or as often as you can be, more often than just Sunday morning? The second challenge that Peter gives to us to grow is he says we grow when we help each other grow we grow when we help each other grow now before hgtv and before the do-it-yourself network before mike holmes and before chip and joanna Gaines, okay there was this old house with bob vila do you remember that show this old house with bob vila first aired in 1979 there's a picture of uh of an older episode of This Old House with Bob Vila. And I can remember uh, growing up, my parents would, would have this on every once in a while. And I remember watching it, and I dreamed of one day developing those skills. By the way, I have never developed those skills, okay? I am really horrible at working with my hands. However, there is another old house that I'd like to be able to talk to you about this morning, and that's This Old House. That is the church. Now, not Christ Church at Grove Farm, but Christ's church all throughout the world. The old house that has been being built for 2,000 years and is continuing to be built. Peter says, we, the people, are like the stones that build up the church. 
He continues in verse 4. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are the living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. I'm sure you've heard it said that the church is not a building. It's the people, right? And we are the church, but not just here in Wilson Hall. We are the church, not just in the sanctuary. We are the church, even in the church that I'm going to go visit next week in El Tamarindo, Dominican Republic. We are the church, and I mean those people that live in other countries that have to travel through the wilderness to meet outside in in a place without walls because it's illegal for them to meet together and worship our God. We are all the church that is being built. Do you know that for the first 300 years of the Christian church, there were no Christian church buildings. They met in homes. 100% of the church was done in small groups. Here's the point. You cannot grow spiritually by yourself. It cannot happen. It's not going to happen. You cannot grow to be the person that God wants you to be by yourself. You need me, and I need you, and we need each other. You see, God wired us in such a way that we need other people. We need to connect with other people to grow to spiritual maturity. And the more you involve other people who are spiritually strong in your life, your growth will become faster and more efficient. Because spiritual growth is relational. We need one another. Did you know that there are 56 one-anothers in the Bible? Love one another, care for one another, help one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, serve one another, share with one another. You know, I joined a small group in 2001. In 2001, I joined this small group, and I got to tell you the, very, the truth. This was the very first time that I was motivated in my life to grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ with everything that I got. It was the very first time that I was motivated to grow with everything that I got. And I have to tell you the truth. If I had not joined that group, I I may have believed God was real because I did at the time. But I got to tell you, I'd probably still be living a party lifestyle. I'd probably still be wasting my life today. I might be in jail. I might even be dead. That small group literally saved my life. That small group literally changed my life, as did many other groups that I've been a part of since. And if you're not in a small group, can I just give you a tip? The easiest way to get into a small group is to start a small group. The easiest way to get in a small group is to start a small group. There has to be two or three people in this church or two or three people in your neighborhood that you like to talk to. And you could go up to those two or three people and you could say, hey, would you like to join a small group? Now, before you get all nervous and worried about leading a small group, let me tell you that we have this wonderful resource resource here at Christ Church called Right Now Media. 
It's kind of like Netflix, but it's these video-based Bible studies that are right on your TV. So if you own a TV, and if you own a couch, you could start a small group this week. Okay? So I challenge all of you to do that. Look at what, uh, what is said in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Let us be concerned for, here's that phrase, one another. To help one another. To show love and to do good. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage one another. Gang, that's helping each other grow spiritually. You know, I'm in a group right now. It's called the High School Ministry Team. We are a small group. We study God's Word together. We pray for one another. We play together. We laugh together. We cry together. We do life together. And there's one other thing that we do together as well, and that is we serve together. And that's the the third challenge that I think Peter gives us here this morning. We grow when we serve our community in love. We grow when we serve our community in love. If you want to skyrocket your spiritual growth rate, serve others in love. Because when you serve others, you aren't just reading what the Bible says, you are doing what it says. You are literally living out the Scriptures. You know, imagine... That I, I went home today and I told my little girls to go upstairs and to clean their room. And imagine that they were gone for a period of time and that they came back downstairs and found me. And imagine, you know, they hadn't cleaned their room, but they came to me and they said, Daddy, 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 we did it. We did it. We took the time and we figured, we memorized what you said. You said, Dad, or you said, Go clean your room. Aren't you proud of us? But yet they didn't clean the room. Or imagine this. Imagine if they went and gathered a whole group of their friends, maybe the soccer team that they play on. And imagine they brought them all over the house and they gathered together and they discussed what it would be like if they went and cleaned their room. Or imagine if they gathered even more people together and Pastor Brad wrote an amazing song about Ella and Kira cleaning their room and they sang these songs, but yet they didn't clean their room. Now, God deserves His worship. This is incredibly important. And we ought to memorize Scripture. Extremely important for spiritual growth. And I just got done telling you, we need to meet in groups to help each other grow. These are all incredibly important things. But if that's all we're doing is sitting around and discussing, but not, not living out the Scriptures, not doing what God asks us to do, we're not going to grow. Our growth is going to stunt. In verse 9, Peter says, You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. You are called to show others the goodness of God by serving others in love. Now there's a big fancy church word that we have for that. It's called ministry. Okay? You are called to be ministers to others. You know, I joined my neighborhood's uh, home association board, homeowners association board, because honestly, truthfully, I wanted to show the love of Jesus Christ to my neighborhood. 
But I have to be honest with you, it is really difficult to love your neighbors when you have to read through 27 different emails of neighbors telling on other neighbors about dog poop in a cul-de-sac. Okay, it's difficult, right? It's difficult to love others. My wife became the president of our soccer association uh, because she truthfully wanted to share the love of Jesus Christ to 200 kids who play soccer and their families. But do you know how difficult it is to love your neighbors when people complain to you about the hot dogs being sold out at the snack shack? Or when parents, you know, are kind of cursing at the, uh, at the volunteer coaches or the, the volunteer referees. It's difficult to love other people sometimes, isn't it? It can be difficult to love others. Loving others is very difficult. But loving others who believe differently than you, I think that that's even more difficult. In verse 11, Peter says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. Peter says that, Once you begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are a foreigner in this land. Okay, you are now an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 5. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Now, an ambassador is a representative of another nation that's there to represent that nation's interests. So God is using us as ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven to reach the people of this world. God wants to reach the people of this world through you, his ambassadors. So how do we do that? Well, Peter goes on in verse 12. He says, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God. When he judges the world. Peter says, if they accuse you of doing wrong. Can I just be honest for one second? You know, over hundreds of years, and even up to today, there have been other churches out there. There have been other people out there that claim to be Christians. There have even been other pastors out there who have not always loved their unbelieving neighbor. Who have not always served their unbelieving neighbor. And in some cases, they may have even hurt them. Now, because others have given us a bad rap, I've got to be honest, I've encountered many non-believers who think that Christians are, are hypocrites, are persecutors, or even condemners. They don't know us by our love. Instead, Peter says to live properly among your unbelieving neighbor. Now, what is the biblical definition of living properly to your neighbor? Well, Proverbs says to build trust with your neighbor. Romans says to build up and encourage your neighbor. Romans also says to love your neighbor by doing no wrong to them. Leviticus says if you hurt your neighbor, you will be hurt in the same way. And Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, the Bible says over 10 times to love your neighbor. It's one of the Bible's most repeated commandments. You know, I really love being a part of this church because this is something that I think that we get right. But gang, I I always have to remind myself, I am a sinner. I am guilty. 
The only difference between me, and I'm talking duck, the only difference between me and the outside world is the grace that I do not deserve that has been given to me because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross and because of my relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, does that mean that we have to agree or affirm a non-believer's lifestyle? No, that doesn't mean that. But it does mean that you need to love them. Only Jesus can change someone's heart. We can't do that. But how can a non-believer come to even meet Jesus or come to know Jesus or, or even step foot in a church unless they are shown the love of Jesus Christ from those who truly love him? You know, the other day my wife and I, uh, this is literally like two days ago, we were, we were in our kitchen and we were preparing dinner. And all of a sudden, the doorbell rang. And so maybe some of you do this. We just froze, right? The doorbell rang, we froze. And my wife says, who's at the door? And I yelled to the kids, kids, get away from the door, run, hide, right? Now, I happen to know that that particular day that there was somebody who was working for some kind of landscaping company and going door to door trying to, to solicit for his company. And we were in the middle of cooking dinner and I didn't want to deal with that. But it did make me think to myself, how often do we do that? You know, we get kind of annoyed when the doorbell rings unexpectedly. It could be our neighbor that we're supposed to love. When I was a kid, um, there was always, this is true, <laughs> there was always an Entenmann's coffee cake on the kitchen counter that I was not allowed to eat. There was an Entenmann's coffee cake on the kitchen counter that I was not allowed to eat, and I was not allowed to eat it because it was purchased and placed there just in case company might show up so that we could have something to serve them, right? And so on expiration day, right, it was really exciting because we all got to eat the Entenmann's coffee cake, you know? But it was there just in case company were to show up so that we could have something to serve them. Are you prepared to do that today? Are you prepared to serve your neighbors? I started looking around my cul-de-sac as I left this morning. I'm like, do I even know all of their names? I'm on the Homer's Association board. Do I even know all of their names? Let alone, am I prepared to serve them? We serve our unbelieving neighbors so that one day they may come to know Jesus. Look at what Peter says will happen when we love our unbelieving neighbor in verse 12. And they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Another translation says it this way. They will end up praising God for your good works when Christ returns. When we serve our community in love, we grow. And God adds more stones, more people to his church. When we help each other grow, we grow. And just like that ancient stone building, we are connected to each other and we strengthen each other. And when we digest God's word, we grow. Our relationship with God grows. We discover his will for our lives. We discover his will for our day to day. We discover how to love and serve our neighbor. And we begin to not just read it, but act upon it. Let's pray. God, I do thank you so much for this church. Lord, and I thank you for, uh, 
for all the ways that you are sending uh, people out to love our community, to love our region, to love our country, to even love other countries overseas. I thank you, God, for the, the two mission teams that are leaving this very week. God, I pray that you would continue to challenge us and stretch us. God, that we would remember that spiritual growth is part of your will for us. That we need to be in your word to hear from you daily. That we need to be connecting with other Christians as often as possible so that we could help each other grow. And that we may need to be looking for opportunities. To, to be watching for opportunities to be able to serve and love our neighbor. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen.